Welcome. Today, we're going to take a step away from John's Gospel, which we're working through systematically this year, and we're going to spend some time in another Gospel. I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 55. If you've got a Bible, why don't you find it? Luke chapter 8, verse 40 says this. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, No, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. She will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Or Talitha Kum. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Through this year, we are working through John's Gospel, but we have set aside some weeks when we will step back from John and allow God just to break in, maybe with other prophetic messages or vision talks. And our plan this week had been I would uh, bring a vision talk. In fact, that's what I'd written, and I tell you, it's a cracker. And then this morning, as we were praying as elders, I just felt one of those nudges from God. And I just knew I had to preach from this passage. One of those moments in God where you just know something in here, you can't quite pinpoint it. And I said to the other elders in the Zoom room where we were praying, I said, I just feel this is from God. And they went, go for it. They weren't the ones who were going to have to do it, but they were full of encouragement. And I loved their encouragement. And I just felt God dropped in one word to my mind, and it was the word expectation. And some questions. Some questions, firstly, about what the expectation was in this 
passage. It actually opens with that word, doesn't it? Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him and they were expecting him. They had some expectation that Jesus was going to turn up. So the first question is, what were these people expecting of Jesus? The second question is, what are we expecting of Jesus? And our third and final question will be, what is the world expecting of us, the church? And what would God like the world to be expecting of the church? Expectation is powerful. If you have low expectations of life, often you go through life a little bit sad. Sometimes those expectations are built on painful past experience. If your football team is always losing, you don't expect victory. And speaking as a man who supports a team who will often lose, my expectation on a Saturday is often quite low. Expectation shapes us. Expectation shapes our personality. Expectation shapes our hopes. Expectation impacts how we walk through life. Expectation of others shapes how much we trust them, how honest or authentic we are with them. And here we see a couple of people who have expectation of Jesus. We're introduced to one, then another, and then the first one comes back in later on. So the first person we meet is is Jairus, a synagogue leader. And he comes to Jesus with a request. My daughter is ill. A father's heart is a deep thing. And Jairus is carrying a father's heart for his daughter. As a parent myself, I I know what it's like to be unwell and that's hard. But when your child is unwell and when you feel there's nothing you can do about it, that is especially painful. And this is his only daughter, we're told. A girl of about 12. So in, 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 in Hebrew custom, a, a girl who's about to become a woman. There's all this expectation in Jairus about what this little girl is going to become. Maybe a marriage is planned in the not too distant future. That would be uh, not unexpected for a girl of 12, that she'd get married 13 or 14. He's got all this expectation for his daughter. She is very unwell. And so he comes to Jesus with expectation that this man, Jesus, will be able to do something. That there will be transformation. That there will be power. And so Jesus responds to this man's plea and begins to head for the synagogue ruler's home. And on the way, the crowd who are expecting... The crowd are expecting something from Jesus. They're, They're jostling, they're walking with him. And a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, pushes through the crowd. What is her expectation? Well, her expectation again is for power, for transformation, for healing. She has a high level of expectation. She thinks, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. He's in the synagogue ruler with his status. He feels comfortable to say to this rabbi, Jesus, come to my home. But this woman, who in a society that doesn't honor women, 
in a society where actually to be carrying bleeding as she was made her ceremonially unclean. If they had discovered her, she could have been stoned because her uncleanness was making everybody she touched unclean. She has a high expectation of Jesus, but a very low expectation of herself. But her, her expectation of Jesus is so high that she thinks, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will get well. And she does. She is miraculously healed. What's also amazing is that Jesus notices, even in the crush, you see how the disciples are a little bit patronizing of Jesus here. Peter, who, who often gets it wrong, doesn't he? He's like, oh no, Lord, come on, they're crowding in. Yeah, but Jesus knows when power's gone out of him. Jesus knows this healing has occurred. Jesus doesn't want this woman to go unnoticed. He wants her to be noticed. He wants her to give testimony to her healing. He wants her to be able to speak out the glory of God as it's worked in her. And so he stops and calls her out. And amazingly, she, in her bravery, steps forward. And then the story moves on and a servant comes and says to Jairus, it's too late. It's too late. See, Jairus's and the servant's expectation of Jesus was high, but not high enough. While the girl was sick, they thought maybe this man can heal her, but now she's died. No, that's beyond his power. That's what they're thinking. And so Jesus reshapes their expectation. No. Now, I know your expectation was here, he's saying, but actually you can expect here. You can't, you don't just need to expect healing. No, you can expect resurrection, rebirth. And so he goes and he, he, he casts people out of the room. He doesn't want low expectation in the room. He wants high expectation. And he brings healing. Miraculous healing. See, these individuals had high expectation of Jesus. They knew Jesus could do something powerful. And in that expectation, a little bit what the Bible called faith, they ask. These, are written, these words are written by Luke to encourage us. And they do, don't they, to hear these healing stories. I hope you are encouraged. If you're unwell at the moment, I hope you are encouraged that God can bring healing. But also we're challenged. I'm challenged by these verses. I'm challenged by these people. I'm challenged by this synagogue ruler and this unnamed woman. I'm challenged by them because I realize that I can not have that expectation of Jesus. I can try and get through on my own. It says of the woman, doesn't it? She had spent, been bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all her money. She had exhausted every other option. Jesus was her last chance. And I realize in my life, sometimes I make Jesus my last chance rather than my first call because I have a low expectation of what he can do. And I believe God wants to challenge that in us in this season. As we work through John's gospel through 2022, I believe one of the reasons God wants us to look at that gospel is God wants to raise our expectation. 
Remember, we're talking about who Jesus is and what that means to who we are. And our expectation of what God can do in us and through us is meant to be raised. So what is our expectation of Jesus? Let me ask you this question. What has shaped your expectation of what God can do in your life? You see, a question I'd ask of these people, of Jairus and this woman, is why did they have this expectation? And of course it's based on experience. Their expectation of Jesus is based on chapters 7 and 6 and 5 and 4 and 3 and 2 and 1 in Luke's Gospel. Of course for them they weren't chapters in a book, they were living experiences. They'd seen Jesus heal. They'd seen Jesus deal with demons. They'd heard Jesus teach. They came to Jesus with expectation because of what they'd seen and what they'd heard, what they'd experienced. And of course, that's what shapes our expectation. What shapes our expectation now is our experience in the past, good and and bad. Maybe we don't ask for healing because we've asked in the past. Maybe we don't call out to God for provision because we've asked in the past. Sometimes our expectation now is shaped by disappointment. Here was a woman who had been disappointed. I love the fact that even though she had been disappointed in the past, she'd spent all her money, I'd imagine she'd gone to rabbis and to temple and she'd made sacrifices. I'd imagine she'd prayed. One of the amazing things about this woman is that she was able to step through her disappointment. And I believe God wants us to do that in this season. Where we have been disappointed in the past, God is encouraging us to step through that disappointment. Not to deny it. Again, I I love the honesty in this passage. We're just given a a little clip. Let me just read it to you. It says this, The woman, seeing she could not go unnoticed, came trembling. In the presence of all the people, she told them why she had touched him and how she'd been healed. How do we know that she'd been bleeding for 12 years? She tells them. How do we know she spent all her money? She tells them. She gave testimony. She was honest about her past. She was honest about past disappointment. She was honest that she had no money left. She was honest at one level that this was her last chance, the hem of his garment. And that's so important for us if we are going to have our expectation, our faith reshaped by stories like this, that we don't deny our past. We are honest. I prayed for this and it didn't happen. I hoped for that and I was disappointed. I'm still seeking God for this and it hasn't happened yet. It's not wrong to be honest about those things. It's not wrong to be authentic, to chat with others, to be open, to display, oh, I'm disappointed. That is okay. As long as we make sure that is not the deciding factor in shaping our expectation of God. This woman, these individuals were able to step away from their past into a hope for the future because they encountered Christ. And friends, that's what we need to do. 
Moving forward, I, you, we together need to make sure that our expectation of God is not just shaped by our past, but is shaped by the reality of what Scripture tells us God can do. We need to get into the Word. We need to get into the presence of God. How do we allow God to shape our expectation for the future? Well, we listen to Him. We spend time with Him. It's about word and spirit. See, I I want my expectation of God, I want our expectation of God as a church to be honest about our past, to be honest about what's happened in the past, but also to be focused on what God says in his word. We will get to John 14 in this series where Jesus says, you will do even more miracles than I've done. Now, we'll unpack that when we get to it. But what a promise that is. The promise of Scripture is that God wants to bring transformation. The promise of Scripture is that God wants his kingdom to break out in our midst. The kingdom of God, which is about sanctification and salvation and signs and wonders and social action, This kingdom, God wants to break out and he wants to lift our eyes, lift our heads, raise our expectation, increase our faith that we would see it in our home and in our workplace and in our street and in our neighborhood and in our church and in our city and in our nation. That is God's heart for us. That like Jairus and like this woman, we would come to God daily. We would come to Jesus daily with expectation that he can bring transformation. And he does that through the truth of his word and through the presence of his spirit. What does Jesus say to his disciples after the resurrection and before the ascension? He says, teach people to obey everything I've told you, his word, and wait for the deposit of the Holy Spirit who will fill you. Word and spirit. Once the the disciples had heard that, Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit descends, the church explodes. That is God's heart for us. What else do I love about this passage? Well, I love that it's an ordinary people. Yeah, it's a synagogue ruler, but he's an ordinary man carrying the pain of a father whose child is ill. And it's an ordinary woman. We we don't know her name. We don't know her name. (laughs) Through the years, uh, theologians and historians have tried to guess, but we don't know She was an ordinary woman who touched the hem of Jesus' cloak. I love that because I'm an ordinary man. We are ordinary people doing ordinary lives, working out the mundane, but God wants to make the mundane miraculous because he wants to lift our expectation. God is a transforming God. The kingdom of God is a transforming kingdom. And God longs for us to step into the good of that this year and beyond. What was their expectation? What's our expectation? And finally, what is the world's expectation? 
Well, tragically, I think the world has a very low expectation of the church. We can be seen as irrelevant. We can be seen as powerless. We can be increasingly seen as intolerant. But God longs for his church to be an agent of change in his world. That's his heart. I do believe that the time for high places and platforms is past. I believe that God wants a church that is holy, humble, and full of power. Now, platforms can be helpful. It's useful that I'm on a platform now. It makes it easier for me to be filmed. But God's not looking for a church that places itself on a pedestal. God is looking for a church that is humble, that serves. God is looking for a church that is increasingly holy. People may struggle with our views on different issues, but they should be provoked by our lifestyle, by our honesty, our integrity, our authenticity, our care, our service. And God longs for his church to be powerful, full of the power of the kingdom of God. I believe God wants to change the world's expectation of the church. And I'm not talking about the church in buildings. I'm talking about us wherever we are. We are the church gathered when we come and open the word together and share bread and wine together and sing worship songs together. I love the church gathered, but we're also called to be the church scattered. And that's where people see the church. They see the church in the office you work in, in the school you go to, in the college you study at, in the home that you live in. That's where the world sees the church and God is desperate for the world to see the church as it should be. Holy, humble, but full of power. And that power comes when we have an expectation that God will show up. And I want to encourage myself, I want to encourage you, I want us to be encouraged that God wants to break in with increasing regularity into the mundanity of life, into the everyday of life. When the crowd is pressing in, God wants to break out. Do you want that too? Do you want to go on that adventure? I do. I do. God invites us. Luke records these passages, I believe, because he wants to provoke us. Want to provoke us to remember where we've forgotten, to discover again, maybe to discover for the first time that God is a God of power and a God of love and a God of compassion. And we are to expect God to break in. And we ought to step into that expectation with faith. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of power. We thank you for the gentleness with which you bring that power in this passage. Gently speaking to a young girl, gently speaking to a woman. Lord, would we know more of your power?
Would you speak into our past experience? Would you speak your word afresh to us today? That we would see you do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have great weeks.